Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's Man on the Post Extra Time. I'm your host. I'm Chris. Um, with me this week, I've got uh, Ryan. Hello. How are you? I'm not bad, thank you. Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Um, you weren't here last week, were you? I've not been here for a couple of weeks, actually. No. I, I feel like I've missed out on a lot. Well, you've been unwell, haven't you? Uh, so, well, last week I just felt really crappy. and I was, I was actually off work anyway, but it's, I think that's the reason I was ill. And then the work's just been crazy, so that's why I've not been around for the past couple of weeks. But so I'm finally back, returned. Back in, he's back with us. So Ryan's been feeling a little bit unwell. Dave, where, <laughs> where have you been this week, Dave? I was in the hospital on Tuesday night. Something Hospi- bit me from the jungle. You see that, Ryan? Something uh, bit him from the jungle and he was in hospital. None of this, I was feeling a bit unwell. And I, I had a fever of 121 that kept me overnight in this saline drip. But it's, it's Brazil and there's lovely little nurses clipping about all night. There's worse ways to spend an evening. I mean, in <laughs> fairness, my body temperature probably wasn't that high. But <laughs> I was warmer than usual. So, so Dave, Dave got bit by something in the jungle and had a temperature of 121 and spent the night in a drip in a hospital. Um, yeah. So you were a bit unwell though? I had a hoodie on with, you know, a cup of hot squash. <laughs> This is sounding more and more pathetic by the minute. <laughs> uh, no podcast last week, unfortunately, because uh, Dave's yoghurt pots and pieces of string, unfortunately, got broken in the yeah, transatlantic cable. Completely my fault. <laughs> something, something bit my internet connection. <laughs> ah, there you go. The same thing that bit your ass got your internet. But that's how it rolls down here. <laughs> right, well, this week we're going to talk about the Champions League games that we've had. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Premier League games that we've got coming up, but... Dave's got something he wants to get off his chest. Um, it is Poppy Day very soon, or Remembrance Day very soon. I did write poppies down an exclamation mark to talk about the charade of the England FIFA, should they or shouldn't they wear poppies? Because as much as people get upset about this sort of thing, someone tweeted a picture from an England-Scotland game from 15 years ago, and there was no poppies on that particular fixture that's played around this time and nobody cared that much about it so this is quite a recent thing um which ties in a little bit with something you're quite vexed about dave which is james mclean and his poppies yeah indeed and i feel that maybe that you, you know this england scotland game coming up it is on the, the 11th of november so which why, is a point in why are they playing at all on the 11th of november first of all if it means that much I have no clue. Um, again, obviously that's down to FIFA regulations or, or whatever. But the fact of the matter is that this has come up. Now, it's an England versus Scotland game. Um, the poppy is, is a symbol of remembrance within the UK. And, you, you know, many people from England and Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, in fact, the south of Ireland as well, I will add, uh, lost their lives during the First and Second World War. Um, and, and most families you know, if you go back generations, are, are affected by it. Now, if this was England against Germany or England against Poland or something, I can totally understand why there would be an objection to it. But I think that in England and Scotland game, there shouldn't be really any problems. I think FIFA should maybe relax their, their stance on this. Um, 
it is an act of remembrance. But the problem comes back to this squeaky wheel. And I, and I make no apologies about this because this kid is being pandered to in, in, in the British media, um, James McLean of West Brom, who has made much more of a deal about this than ever, ever, ever should have been made. And with McLean, it goes beyond the poppy. It's actually an attack on anything British, anything perceived as British, which then begs its own question. If you can't respect the country which you earn your living in, the, you, you know, you have adopted as your home. Obviously, he's living there and working there. For example, I'm an expat living here in Brazil, and I, I, I go to as many of the national games and, and as many of the, of the club games that I, that I can go to. And the national anthem is played here um, in, for every game at the start of every game. And if I were not to stand or if I were to turn my back on that national anthem, I would be feckin' lynched here. I, I wouldn't leave the stadium alive. It's a basic respect. Now, I'm from a different tradition. Uh, from James McLean, and I totally understand the basis of his argument, that he feels that his community was wronged by the British Army. That's fine. There's many from my community that feel that our community was wronged by them, and it falls into this whole argument of whataboutery. You know, what about this? And I, I, they can cite Bloody Sunday, I can sp- cite Bloody Friday, and we can go backward and forward on it. It's people like James McLean that are making my own country, uh, Northern Ireland, unstable, through this refusal, point-blank refusal to move forward from it and build a better future. Um, as I say, James McLean has done nothing but fill column inches with, with what he perceives as being right. And don't get me wrong, I totally and utterly respect that. Uh, but again, he's 27 years of age. The peace process has been going nearly as long as that. He was he was never even around during those days to be so emotionally attached to, to this argument. And I, and I just can never really understand it. Um, especially, what, you know, if, if I felt so strongly against the United Kingdom as an entity or if anything British, the last place in this world that I would want to go and work would be the United Kingdom. But yet James McLean goes there to bang his drum. I, I I, I cannot understand it. And now we have this. And, and don't, don't get me wrong, FIFA have had an eye on this somewhere, some point uh, in the past. And obviously, you know, they govern the game, so they'll be aware of it. And now you have a situation where I know that the Northern, the Northern Irish national team want to wear the poppy as well on, on an armband uh, during their games, during this international break. But for the England-Scotland game, and I don't know, you, you guys are an Englishman, I, I tell, maybe you have a different opinion on it than, than I do, but I just don't see a problem that FIFA w- should, that's not political in my opinion, uh, to remember your war dead and, and people who have given up their life for, the, for, for their countries and continue to do so, whether it be in the Gulf or, or whatever. You know, people have a right to remember people who lay down their life for their countries. Now, for example, I can use Jurgen Klopp as an example as well. Jurgen Klopp stood last year with a poppy on. I expect him to, 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 to see the same again. He's a German. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, the, 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 you know, the Allies went to war against Germany twice, First and Second World War. And, and yet Jurgen Klopp can rise above it. Why can James McLean not? Why does he need to make such a big deal over this? Yet he can run around in football boots with, with an Irish flag on them with 1916, which 
it doesn't offend me, but it could offend people from my community. And he wears those on a daily basis. So if he, if you want to talk about politicizing things, every every part of it is being politicized by James McLean. And I, I just wish the British media would stop giving him airtime because he aligns himself with with people who are responsible for more deaths in my country than than, than anyone else, and yet try, try, tries to put out this squeaky clean, whiter than white image. Um, it just doesn't work, and as I say it's a total disrespect for the, for the country in which you know he he has his employment. I appreciate he has issues with them, but seriously, I, I just don't get why he gets so much attention. He, sh- you know, if I were him, I'd go and play in Spain. I'd go and play in any other league. If I am so offended by the United Kingdom, by England, by 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 the whole thing, go and play somewhere else. Surely it is it's the sensible thing to do. Well. If Ryan um, was feeling a bit of a contrarian, what Ryan could say to you is, Dave, these people died for our freedom, and one of the many things they died for was our freedom of expression and freedom of movement. You're free to earn your living wherever you want, and you're free to wear a poppy if you want and not wear a poppy if you want. And if you feel your community has been wronged by the people the poppy represents, that um, then you don't have to wear that poppy. Isn't that right, Ryan? That's what you'd say. Yeah, I mean, some people would say that. Um, that's not one of those people. I could, to be honest, it's a really valid argument, though, really. Obviously, we don't want to get too, too into politics or anything. Um, but, yeah, the, the reason it's very similar to what's happening in the, the US at the moment with the American footballers and refusing to sing the, the national anthem. Mm. It's the same concept of, you know, yeah, but the, the whole point of the national anthem and the poppies at the moment is that the people that went to war went to war for our freedom uh, and that you know does include the freedom of expression so if someone chooses not to respect that then obviously we can't really shame them for that because they've got their you know it's in their freedom to do so um i mean james one interesting thing david said is that james mclean can probably go play anywhere else i don't think he'd get a game anywhere else so i think that's probably why he has to stick around here I, I think, think he play in the <laughs> League of Ireland. You, you know what I mean? He literally could play in the League of Ireland. But, you know, th- th- look, there's a basic respect there. His right are to wear or not wear the poppy, I respect that totally, if he doesn't want to wear it. But James McLean goes that stage further, where he turns his back on a national anthem. Now, I, I'm a big rugby man. I used to go, from when I was 11 years of age, I've been going to the Rugby Internationals uh, in Lansdowne Road. It's an all-Ireland sport and always has been. Now, I stand for the Republic of Ireland's national anthem. I wouldn't not. It's a mark of respect. It, 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 you know, Republic of Ireland is a country. I stand for their national anthem. I respect it. I find that part, I think, the most... I think it, it's it's the most spiteful is to turn your back on a country's national anthem, regardless of how badly they've wronged you. You know, it's, it's like the England players go and play in Germany and turn their back on, on the national anthem, because it is the same thing. It, this guy is just out. He's a squeaky wheel who wants to politicise as much as possible, and get as many headlines as he can from every November it rolls around and any opportunity he has to, to, to do this, he will, he will do it. And it's just, it's time to just let him, just let him fester and don't give him the, 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 the column inches. It's just time to, to, to let him go. Well, Ryan might say if Ryan was feeling... <laughs> if he was feeling well. If, he was feeling... <laughs> if Ryan was being his usual contrarian self. Yes, no. my usual. <laughs> well, look, okay. I mean, we've got to get on with the rest of the podcast, but you had to... I get the feeling you had to get that off your chest. 
No, it's a thing that bothers me every year, and I say, and it's not a, it's not a, ma- a matter of of not respecting his choices. It's just a case of if he's really, really that offended, maybe he needs to take a look at himself and look at where he's playing his football, and maybe think it's a time for a change. To be fair, he has to see Tony Pulis every day. Well, that'd be yeah, enough to change that's, the that's country. Another, <laughs> that's another reason to leave. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> Very quickly, I mean, FIFA's rules are there, and I, I suppose that they're under the impression that they can't, you know, make any exceptions. Because if you make an exception for one thing, whether it's valid or not, it, you know, if they make an exception for one country, then they're going to have to make an exception for someone else. I mean, they but, wait, sorry, go. On. I was just saying, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's England versus Scotland. It's, it's not like it's England versus, you know. Germany or Poland, as you said, it. But if, there, if it, it was, Ryan, there, would, there would be a maturity there, a maturity that, that, that the James McLeans of this world are not showing. And it is about that as well. It is about a maturity. Like you guys, you know, obviously, I, I would like to see the England Scotland match have the poppy on the armband. I think, it, I, but it's my own belief. My, my grandfather was a Somme survivor. So it, it's poignant to me. And I just don't see. Personally, I don't see any harm in it, but I do respect that other people have issues with it. But there are ways and means to make your protest. I think the way that James goes about it is all wrong. Okay, okay. Right. Well, we shall move on. Uh, as is our freedom of speech, fought for by... I don't know. People. Right. Um, Champions League we've also had this week. We had Arsenal versus... That was a seamless segue. Did you see that? It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way you can go from uh, poppies to uh, to football. Um, Arsenal played Ludogorets this week. They were two 0 down at one point, weren't they? Who saw this? I saw the goals. Right. Did Mesut Özil score the best goal of the weekend of the, of the week? It'd be hard. To, it'd be hard to argue with. <laughs> well, oh, I've, I've seen Bale's played, goal. Yeah. Bale, goal was pretty tasty. And Munier as well for PSG. But there was nobody there to see it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You could hear it as it thumped off his foot. <laughs> um, well, anyway, Ludogorets went 2-0 up, didn't they? Through, through some rather shocking defending. Arsenal, is it, this is the time of year when Arsenal normally start being arsenal isn't it? And they start wobbling November, and then they do all right again, and then do, they fall off in March. Arsenal are a, sort of a, a weird beast this season, and have been from, you know, nowhere early on and whatnot. But they they just, they look good at times and they play well for portions. But as you say, they normally start to kick on from this, this phase. But the, the Sanchez up front thing has been quite interesting with Walcott. Um, and maybe that's why it's just the transition of this sort of new idea. And I think that's what's maybe causing the, 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 the stutters, maybe. The thing is as well, I also, I also quite like Giroud. I know he comes in for an awful lot of stick, but and he goes... He does the business. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> He does score you goals. He scored two of the weekend. He's got one here um, when called upon as well. I I quite like him, and I think he gets a bit of an unfair pasting. Um, first time in seven years, Arsenal have come from two goals down in the Champions League. But they've only got two clean sheets in ten away in the Champions League. So they're kind of the real deal. They're top of their group. They've got ten points. PSG have also got ten points thanks to their win away at Basel. Um Ludogorets has got one and Basel have got one. Arsenal have got two games in which to not come first, haven't they? And one of those is against PSG, a rather iffy PSG side this season. Well, I think we all know what's going to happen. Yeah. Arsenal are going to finish second. They'll get a really big team in the next round and they'll go out 
every year like they do every year. You think? You think they're not going to come top? I, to be honest, I don't know if they'll be able to beat PSG at home. Uh, at home. You don't think? No, I've got my doubts about us. I mean, you know, the clean sheet thing, yes, they're away in the Champions League, but they've just, as they said, they've been stuttering, and I don't know what's going to sort of, I don't know what's going to stop that from happening. No? What do you reckon, Dave? Are they going to top this group? I, I think they'll come second. I do think they'll come second. I think PSG will have it. Um, I think Arsenal's biggest worry for this season is, whether or not they they make the top four in the Premier League, um, that could be that could be their big problem. You you know that they are they always come on a run of form uh, after Christmas that gets them there. But this could be the season. And, and it's, do you know something? I said this last season as well. But I feel it's been coming for a while. And I think that you know Wenger has been absolutely magnificent for them. There's no two ways about it. I couldn't take anything away from the man. But I don't think that the ideas are there the same. And I think. Sooner rather than later, if this isn't Wenger's last year, um, I'd be very surprised because he doesn't have a great deal of, of support from the fan base left. There, there's there's pockets there going against him, and I do think it's getting to the stage where this just scraping into the top four and whatnot. I know they're going pretty well to win their joint top uh, with Liverpool and Man City, but I just don't see, I just don't see it for them this year. I, I, I'd be worried for them. Uh I'm trying to think who could knock them out, though. You've got Chelsea well, who are behind them. Manchester United, mm, really? Well, man, well, we're seeing Manchester United are failing at all stages yeah. at this point. For, for, this is recorded Thursday them. night. They've, forget them. Yeah, we're recording they're, they're Thursday finished. night. Recorded Thursday night. They've lost to Fenerbahce 2-0 tonight, haven't they? 2-1, yeah. yeah. They're no threat to the top four. No. Tottenham are. And, and I think that uh, Pochettino, I know that, that they lost the Champions League, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But this league, I do fancy them because I fancy them to go in their arse very soon in the Champions League. And that will mean a strong end of the season. They are a good team. They are a really good team. And I see them as the team to dislodge uh, Arsenal. Mm. OK. Um, well, let's get on to Spurs then. Because in front of 85,000 people uh, at Wembley, they lost their sixth consecutive game at Wembley. Don't like big crowds, that, that team. <laughs> no, don't get successful and have lots of people watch you. <laughs> That's the message. That is, but, that is a pressure thing. They clearly just don't like the pressure, do they? Do, do you think they would go out and think, oh, God, it's 85,000. If it was 84, I'd probably be all right. But... <laughs> is that 1,000 too many? Yeah. <laughs> too much extra noise. Yeah, they're a funny old group, aren't they? Because, I mean, Bayern Leverkusen are a pretty good team. And I saw Chikorito... He had a shot in the first half, and uh, I think it was Jan Vertonghen, who was actually lying on his back at the time, managed to stick a toe out and deflect it wide. So the chances were coming for Leverkusen. It's just a Wembley thing, isn't it? Arsenal struggled at Wembley in the Champions League as well. Well, they say it's a bigger pitch, and you, obviously, when you, you, you're, you're giving up your home stadium, hmm. uh, and, and you, there is a, obviously there's a comfort in your home stadium, and you, you know it inside out. And Wembley will give a different atmosphere entirely. You know, it, you're you're that little bit. I know they're professionals and so on, but there is a sort of comfort at home. And again, it it just seems to unsettle Spurs. Maybe they're, as I say, they're not the finished article um, as such, and maybe that's part of it as well. Uh, they, you know, this is the second time that they're, they're second far end of the Champions League, and it's ending pretty much the same. And the first time they were at White Hart Lane, so it, it's ending pretty much the same. I. 
don't foresee them getting out of this group. I see them in being the Europa. I don't know whether you guys would agree with me on that. I, I do see them as Europa League fodder at this time, at this stage. Well, this kind of ties a little bit into your Arsenal finishing fourth thing, doesn't it? Because Monaco won. They beat CSK 3-0. Um, so you got Monaco top on eight points. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen now overtakes Spurs. They've got six points. Spurs have got four and CSK on two. Now, Bayern stay where they are and Spurs come third. Um, Spurs go into the Europa League and then you've got your, Sunday thir- your Thursday-Sunday thing, haven't you? Which feeds into a fixture pile-up or congestion or tired players and then do Spurs start to suffer come the end of the season like they did last season? I think they'll throw it away like they did last season, if you recall, um, against Dortmund when it got to, to got to the sharp end of it and they were looking good. Now, obviously, they were second in the Premier League. They were, they were hoping they would have a tilt at the title. But again, I, I think that cementing their place, you know, it's one thing to be in the Champions League once, fall away from it for a few years and come back to it again. That where the like, let's face it, it's all about the money, and where the money is is consistently qualifying for that tournament. Now you may fall on your ass the first couple of years that you go into it, but you know you keep going back and you keep building, and you, obviously the money keeps coming, and there's huge money involved in it. You build your better squad, and and that takes time. You're not going to go into it straight away and win it. Um, you know, a lot's being made of Liverpool at the minute this season. Their chances of the top four. If they go, if they were to to, to get Champions League next year, I, I would expect. There's a building process. I wouldn't expect them to go too far in it uh, because it's going to take a couple of seasons to build that European solidity and mentality. And I think that maybe for Pochettino, that's his next task, is to, to not just to qualify for the champ, but to consistently do it two years, three years in a row. And that, and that gives you a better tilt at it. And I've just got a feeling that that's what we'll see. Well, it's quite nice being out of Europe, isn't it, Ryan? You can sort of concentrate on your Saturdays. Yeah, to be honest, it's great, actually, yeah, because I'll, I'll check the fixture list and I'll think, oh, yeah, Saturday 3 o'clock, that's right, I don't have to worry about, you know, oh, Sunday at 4 o'clock or Saturday at 5, most of the time, Saturday 3 o'clock, sit back, watch the game, great. And Antonio's got a whole week to work with his players. Makes you wonder why teams try so hard to get the Champions League in the first place. Well, I mean, yeah, especially with, with Antonio, he's already said that if, we were in the Champions League, he'd lose his voice because, you know, he has to have the whole week to to not talk for his voice to come back for the next game he shouts during the Ryan, are you, are you, take it, are you, I take it you're very happy with Conte at the moment as a Chelsea man? Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's great. Honestly, he's been really, really good for he just called, season. He just called him Antonio. He's on first-name terms. Well, me and... Wow. No, I, and, I, uh, I'm Tony. impressed with... I, I expect him to do good things. I expect Chelsea to be top four this season. Um, definitely. I, I think that... I don't think he's even started yet. I think you're going to get a lot better, and it's—I don't like that, but <laughs> I do like Conte. I'm not—I'm no fan of Chelsea's, but I—I I find it very, very difficult to dislike Antonio Conte. I mean, yeah, I mean exactly when you make Victor Moses look like Messi some weeks, I mean, that, yeah, that, that exactly. <laughs> well, we know about that, don't we, Chris? Well, <laughs> yeah, not even Brendan could do that, could he? <laughs> no, and, and he's the Messiah. <laughs> Uh, well, look, speaking of teams that keep going back into the Champions League and year on year they get that a little bit better, Manchester City only went and beat Barcelona 3-1 at the, uh, on Tuesday night. At the fourth time of asking? I, yeah. Hey, four times, that, that's, against Barcelona, that's pretty good going. <laughs> well, I tell you what as well, I, that first goal that um, that Barcelona scored, or the goal that they did score, 
I was yeah. watching the BT Sport Golf Show, which is the one where they flip between all the different grounds as and when something happens. And uh, they went, goal in Manchester. And I thought, brilliant. Okay. Uh, so they went across, and it was Manchester City attacking. And I thought, fantastic. They scored. And all of a sudden, you saw Barcelona break. And you thought, ah, okay. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And I didn't do it the first time around, but in normal speed. But when it was in slow motion, I counted, and it was 11 seconds between Barcelona winning the ball back and then getting the ball in the net the other end. And that was in slow motion. So God knows how that must have felt if you were Nicolas Otamendi and they were coming at you. I can't imagine. I mean, I, what, thinking about that, I'm just like putting my chair down and thinking David Luiz and just thinking, oh, God. <laughs> Someone like Otamendi. <laughs> well. I can't imagine. But that was some result for City. That really, to, 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 you know, to have gone behind and to come back with that resolution is absolutely, it's a statement, I think, that they made. And, you know, other, like, you know, a lot of fans have a giggle at City and, and their woes in Europe. And, like, they always seem to get the draw from hell. Uh, every every year in Europe, but uh, you know, with Guardiola now, this is their long term plan being realised. Let's face it, it's not even Guardiola's team at the moment, and they've done Barcelona scary stuff in in many ways. Oh, I think so, definitely. I mean, you could say to some extent they rode their luck a little bit. Barcelona hit the bar in the second half, didn't they? Um, it was a mistake that led to Sterling setting up the equaliser, and there was a massive question mark about an Aguero handball, wasn't there, for when it sort of walloped off his arm back towards Gundogan. Um, Mascarano was certainly very upset. And if Mascarano's upset, then I'm upset. So, yeah. I, you know, they they rode their look a little bit. And looking down here, I'm trying to find the Barcelona lineup. Um, where are we, Barcelona? Like, we have got uh, Stegen in goal, got Mascarano, Digne, uh, Rakitic. There's not many Lamezia players. Suarez, Neymar. There's not many Lamezia players still there, is there? This could be the beginning of the end for this Barcelona Lamezia team. Yeah, I mean, they are buying some some young talent, um, which could be sort of quite good for them in the in the long run. But at the moment, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting sort of mini transition period almost while they try and rebuild that sort of core spine of the team that they've had so famously over the past couple of years. Yeah. Dave, am I alone in finding Mtiti uh, a funny name? <laughs> no, I live in South America. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I, I give, you, give you worse than that. Uh, no, you're talking about Barca. I think that, that they saw, you know, the, the transfer ban that they had. Um, and, you know, when, when you have that ban, it can sort of set you back a little bit because... It's one thing about Barca normally get what they want in the transfer windows. Barca and Real Madrid generally, if they, if they go after a player, they get them, and they don't normally tend to pay that much over the odds for them, like we see in England. Um, you know, they pay money for them. Don't get me wrong, but they always get their man. And as you say, there's I think there's enough from from the rumours that are floating around, even here in South America. You know, Barcelona are meant to have options on a defender down here, Colombian defender Yari Mina. Uh, he was part of the uh, Libertadores winning um, Atletico Nacional side and he plays for Palmeiras here who are basically nailed on to win the Brazilian league um, and with I think there's seven points clear with six games to go um, and again they're being stripped like Gabby Jesus will come into to, to City and now the chat is that Yari Mina who at, in January when we started our Libertadores pods on World Football Index we were like oh this is a decent kid he now appears to have a pre-contract with Barcelona, so he appears to be the future there. Big, tall guy, great header of the ball. 
Um, so uh, already Barcelona are looking here in South America, where, where they love to sort of pick up the, the odd gem or two. They're looking uh, already to, to, to start rebuilding. It'd be nice to have a transfer ban and still manage to sign Arda Turan. That sounds like a sort of transfer ban I'd like to be involved in. Yeah, I mean, every time I saw a transfer ban, I thought, right, well, Barcelona have just signed someone. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't really get this one. Uh, a win over Borussia Mönchengladbach guarantees City a place in the last 16. Um, Gladbach drew 1-1 with Celtic. So you've got um, Barcelona on 9 points, City on 7, Gladbach on 4, Celtic on 2. It will take some monumental error of City-esque proportions for which they're famous to cock this up, won't it? So if anyone can do it, it's City. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, Group G is Copenhagen nil, Leicester City nil. Leicester City making Champions League history this week. Why is that? Uh, one of only a couple of teams to be have not conceded a single goal. In their first four it? games in their debut season. Not in their debut of, season. What, not one of only a few. They are the only ones. I saw that there's someone this season, another team this season that I haven't conceded as well. But I can't I can remember who that was. I think it's Seville, I think. But they've been in the Champions oh, yeah. League before, I think. So this yeah, is yeah, it. yeah. The this debut the, season one. Yeah. So, so what, what, what do you guys feel that Leicester are doing in Europe that, that that's eluding them in the Premier League? Because I'm, I'm loving the fact that Leicester are on top. Being arsed, I think, is the answer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah so, we won the league. Don't need to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, I've done that, cut the t-shirt, let's move on to the Champions League. I think so. I mean, I think they know well, very well they're not going to get into, um, uh, you know, this is probably their one chance at the Champions League. And unless they foobar massively, they're not going to get themselves relegated. So why not have a go at the Champions League and finish mid-table, low mid-table? What have we got to lose? Yeah. But how, how far do you feel they can go? Uh Depends. I mean, they're top of their group at the minute. They're on 10, Porto are on 7. So if they finish top of their group, and if they get a fortunate draw, because don't forget, you've got Juventus and Seville in one group. So, you know, you've got yep. Dortmund and um, Real Madrid in a group, City Barcelona in a group. So you could feasibly get someone you really want to avoid. But, you know, at the same time, you could get someone that's quite a, an easy ride into the next round. I think, to some extent, City is still an unknown quantity. Leicester City they're still a, an unknown quantity in some respects so I think they could probably get to the quarterfinals and then they start meeting the proper teams I think and then I'm not saying they'll lose but I think they'll definitely struggle yeah I think the, the thing with the Premier League as well I think that a lot of the teams in the Premier League have just wised up to their act whereas I think European teams aren't used to it yeah. So it, it they've got that opportunity in the Champions League, but yeah, league side of things, I think everyone's just caught on and knows how to beat them. I think so. Um, Group B uh, was Besiktas one, Napoli one. Guess who scored for Besiktas, Ryan? Denver Bar. Ricardo Caresma. Ah, of course it was. Greatest Denver player. Bar doesn't even play there anymore. No, greatest player <laughs> in the history of the world, Ricardo Caresma. Yes. Um. Benfica 1, Dinamo Kiev 0, so that leaves Napoli and Benfica on 7, Besiktas on 6, and Kiev on 1, Group C, Atletico Madrid, who saw this one? I've seen the goals, and it was a bit of a controversial slash very confusing couple of goals. It was, wasn't it? The last I've minute, seen. Yeah, the last minute winner from Griezmann, slightly offside. Well, people are saying that he wasn't offside, it was the defender's actually the one that's headed it on. Oh, no, it was that one, wasn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, it was a little... Well, he was offside when he'd headed it, but then was he offside when the 
attacker kick the ball for the defender to head. Oh, I'm not sure. It was all a bit of a mess, really. It was a bit, wasn't it? Um, and on offside controversy in the other game in the group, it was PSV 1, Bayern Munich 2. Did you see that? Didn't see the guards on that one, no. No, PSV's player uh, just about three feet offside, uh, Arias, when he scored. Lewandowski scored two and hit the bar three times as well. Did you see this one, Dave? Nope, I didn't. <laughs> He's not bad, that Lewandowski. I wonder if there's any kind of connection with Liverpool that might draw him closer. Honestly, I think with with the amount of money that 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 guy'd be going for, it's not really. You know, while he was a Klopp signing at Dortmund, I don't think he'd do a return. You know, we've we've been through this at Liverpool, the whole sign Royce thing, and I think we're pretty clear that once they move up into a certain price bracket, Klopp will prefer to take you know pay less and and develop. Yeah, listen, as long as he plays Emre Chan, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, Well. It's a nice dilemma there, and at the moment between the th- between the three uh, or four, even of Henderson, Lallana, Wijnaldum, uh, and Khan. It, it's whatever way you're looking at, it, your bench is great, isn't it? Oh, I think so. I mean, I don't care if he plays in goal, so long as he plays Chan. <laughs> no, I, w- I, w- I would be on board with that 100. percent I'd be Henderson drops out for me, but that's that's me. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's finally filling the Alonso stroke Mascarano sized hole in my Liverpool heart, and he gets to wear Jamie's 23 as well, doesn't he? Exactly, and and he's the only one. He's the only one there that seems to be able to take the ball and and run with it as well. It's it's it's. He just brings a different dy- dynamism to the midfield. Yeah, definitely. Um, Group F was Dortmund one Sporting nil. Uh, Ramos score. Who saw uh, Abumiang dressed up? I didn't see him dressed up, but I, I saw the whole thing with him getting suspended. He was in a. Black hat, uh, a grey hat and grey um, coat. He looked very much like Al Capone. <laughs> so it's well worth seeing. Uh, and empty stadium for Liege Warsaw 3, Real Madrid 3. Who saw this one? Yeah, it was the most surreal thing I ever watched. You see, Funny Real game. Madrid in an empty stadium. And, you know, one would have thought, like, Madrid were home and dry. And then the, the, the goal to bring it back to 2-1, like, Wow. Wow. Yes. Yeah, definitely. But it's funny, isn't it? It's quite, oh, a, quite a level of that empty stadium. Oh, without a doubt, Chris, it's just, you know, for me, half of football for me is the atmosphere. Hmm. And you take it away into that and, you know, individual voices being heard and it's, 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 it's the most bizarre. You know, we've seen it before, but a game of that magnitude with obviously a team, Real Madrid and the Champions League, it, it's it's um it's it's insane to even think about, but it's it's a warning. You know, UEFA have taken the the bull by the horns, and I wonder how long it will be before West Ham fans are, are are suffering something similar because at least something's been done there. And the Premier League, we had again in in the League Cup a couple of weeks back uh, with the Chelsea game, uh, Ryan, and and it, it's getting to the stage where maybe we can maybe see this happening against our two West Ham. I think, yeah, I mean, if you think about it for the Asia, that would have been their one guaranteed sellout this season. They could have made a fortune on gate receipts for that. Absolutely. Day, and they've mm. been robbed of that. I couldn't quite figure out why there were stewards there, though. <laughs> Start Did you get the ball back for them? them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so Dortmund are top on 10 points, Real Madrid on 8, Sporting Lisbon on 3, and Liège on 1. Um, and finally, Group H, Juventus sadly drew 1-1 with Lyon, and Seville beat 
are very sorry Dinamo Zagreb team 4-0 Dinamo Zagreb this season have got no, no point in the Champions League um, no Leon are above them on 4 points uh, Juventus are on 8 and Seville on 10 I think Juventus could have actually done with winning that game against Leon couldn't they because they could have been a little bit closer to that top spot where they could meet uh, those slightly weaker teams we've been talking about um, I mean, did, did you see the Juventus penalty because yeah, it was Higuain's penalty that sort of it was the draw for them, but did you see the actual penalty decision? I did, and I can't remember it. What it was, was incredibly that? weak. Um, the Juventus player sort of cut in front of the defender, and the defender doesn't really look. He, he's put sort of almost two hands on his back. Not, he, he doesn't look like he's actually put any force or anything in, and the player's just just fallen over, and it was given as a pen, and then Nicolaian obviously scored. But it was, it looked incredibly soft. This is a penalty so, for Juventus, wasn't it? Yes, yes, for Juventus and the Equine yes. scored. Yeah, very bizarre. Definitely a penalty then. <laughs> They're my favourite Italian team from Gazetta Football Italia days. Well, I'll tell you, Sevilla are, are a dark horse for this yeah. one. Um, they really are. You know, I I, I listen. We have a a, a La Liga pod there across in WFI, uh, and the guys there, a couple of the guys are like, you know, they are definitely a top three team for La Liga this season. And with Sampaoli there, he is a, a, an excellent operator. And, you know, they're sitting on top of this group. If they can if they can get top spot in this group, they are going to be hard to shift. It doesn't matter who they come up against. They are going to be a hard shift. They At this moment in time, they are my dark horse winners. That's crazy it may sound, but that's, that's, that's the way I see them. Concrete towers. That's the very thing. <laughs> I love autumn. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very poetical podcast, Ryan. Yes, <laughs> you have to have a, give it, give it, a, give it a listen. It's very good. Um, yeah, so this week they were, they were quoting uh, Jimi Hendrix "Crosstown Traffic." So there, there you go. And also they have, <laughs> they, they have an interview with Graham Hunter, which is absolutely excellent. Oh, I'm still a bit meh about Graham Hunter. I know I heard your oh, comments. I heard your comments on the podcast this week. How great he is and how wonderful his podcast is. It is, but. He does like himself, doesn't he? He's very chocolate. I, I don't know. I think he treats. I think he, he gets his, uh, the most out of his guests, and he does have excellent guests. And that, that's a big, you know, doing podcasts. The better the guest, the more you sit back and relax. Well, um, as we have the both of you on today, that's testament enough to it. If you believe oh, that? That's, that's grand. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, I get the impression listen, listen, he really, really likes himself. I'm sure he does. But his podcasts are excellent, and he does get an awful lot out of people in interviews. No, as an interviewer, you know, I look at his podcast and I say to myself, if I could be one percent of what he is, I'd be, I'd be happy. Yeah. Because um, I just think, that as a journalist, as a pundit, he he just knows the right thing, uh, and his line of question is always always spot on. And I say my my favorite two of his, I'm shameless plugging. If you, if you never listened to him, just listen to either Graham Sunis or Michael O'Neill. Two brilliant interviews. No, no, they are. They're really good. I don't, I, I don't think I listened to those two, but I listened to the others. I mean, his Gary Neville, his Jamie Carragher ones were excellent. And, yeah. Um, his Viali one was very good. Have you listened to that one? Oh, no, I've missed that one. I must have. You see, with with doing as many part, editing as many podcasts as I edit in a week, my listening time has depleted down to nearly zero. Yeah, well, if you get it's a two-parter, if you get a chance to go back and listen to this Viali one, is fantastic. You'd like that one, Ryan. It's all very Chelsea-like as well. Yeah, I'm sure it would be. Yeah. 
Uh, but I, I loved Viali from from Serie A. I loved him for the for the national team. Viali was a real character. I saw him play against Leicester once, and he was brilliant. He just kept bollocking the linesman. He just kept pointing because whenever they got flagged offside, he just kept pointing at the linesman and drawing an imaginary line down the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, it was a bit mad. Yeah, it was fantastic to watch. Although the highlight of the game was the Leicester fans giving Frank LeBurst some stick and then um, the Chelsea fans singing his name. So he grabbed his bollocks in our direction and stuck his thumbs up at the Chelsea fans. Nice. <laughs> that got a big old round of applause. That was quite funny. Um, right, well, should we talk about some Premier League? Yes. Let's do that, shall we? Early kickoff. Uh, oh, there are no early kickoffs on Saturday. Ooh. So, alphabetically, we shall go. With oh, this is a nice little geographical trip. Uh, Bournemouth versus Sunderland. It's a nice little early start, isn't it? David Moyes' last game, if the papers have been <laughs> Oh, really? Do you think? Well, there's a lot of rumours coming out that if they, if Sunderland lose, he's gone. Well, here's two schools of thought for you. The first school of thought is he took over very late, um, and he's working with the best he's got. The other school of thought, which is what I heard on a podcast this week. Um, is that yes, he started very late, but this is the same team that showed a bit of kahunas and stayed in the Premier League last season, plus he's added to it, and has his signings really worked out? So maybe this is some of his fault. But I think where we, they we are, is, 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 you know, is sacking him at this stage, it's, it's far too knee-jerk, it's far too soon. Mm. You, the you ghost know, of Sam Allardyce is waiting, though. I think that's what it is. That's mm. a hell of a ghost, isn't it? I know. <laughs> Oh, no. Scary ghost. <laughs> and looming large drinking pints of gravy over the stadium alight. <laughs> yeah, 400 grand, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you think this one's going to go, chaps? Is it definitely Bournemouth, Bournemouth win? Yeah. Bournemouth, I think. And maybe 1 0, 2 1. Not, not by a, a lot. But I fancy Bournemouth. Sunderland are a bit of a mess at the minute. Okay. So Bournemouth won this 2 0 last season. Yeah, it's a similar story this year. I think um, Sunderland are all, all over the shop at the moment. It's a Bournemouth on a bad side, and I think now are Sunderland going to do worse than Derby's eleven points? They're no. on track. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think that, you know, look, you can laugh all you like about Moyes. Yeah, but he he, he, he <laughs> does have, uh, and, and we do. But he, you know, he's not that bad a manager. You know what I mean? I, he should be able to, to, to get something from those players. I would, If I were the board at Sunderland, I would give him to at least Christmas. I know that Ryan's saying that the, the knives are out for him. You've got to give him at least a Christmas to say he was appointed late. Um, it, it's, it's, if to, to sack him at this stage, regardless, is, is totally unfair. And all you're doing is costing your club money. You know, it's just money down the drain. Uh, and and it, it's, just, it's the easy option every time is just to sack a manager. I think as well, he's stuck in a little bit of a time walk. He's got this Scottish, earthy, Glaswegian, working class aura about him. And I think he thinks in some respect he's along the sort of Fergie, Shankly kind of mould. And you can't be like that anymore. He does seem no. very outmoded. Even Crotonia got six points in Italy. No, I think that's a, that, that's a fair comment. That is a fair comment about the stat. But at the same time, the board appointed him. You know, you've got to look at it. Sunderland are not one of the richest clubs in the Premier League. Mm. To, to 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 do away with the manager after, what, t- 10, 11 games, it's, it's madness. You know, I can understand if you give them to the new year and it's not working, fair enough. But they're not so far adrift at the minute that they can't be turned around. Um, you know, continuity, um, as we see 
as we've seen at Liverpool, Chris, continuity makes up a big difference. And and the way that when, when you're set up for continuity, it br- it brings about a change. Mm. Okay. Um. So we're both going to go with that, are we? Yeah, Bournemouth win. Yeah. All right. Burnley yep, Crystal slim. Palace. Then Ryan, talk to me about Burnley Crystal Palace. That's going to be it. Be a really interesting game, actually. Um. I don't really know which, which way to go. Palace have been sort of up and down this season. Mm. Um, so it'd be a tough one. I mean, I don't really like Alan Pardew, to be honest. So well, who does? No, nobody does. <laughs> no, I'd prefer really Burnley to win it. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I sort of see a bore draw. It'd probably be one of those last on match of the day type games. I think Manchester United got out of last week's 0-0 against Burnley quite easily or quite lightly because I think people have felt a little bit sorry for them and took pity oh you had 37 shots and blah 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 they should still be scoring with those 37 shots I'd even oh, best but... with those 10 men and it wasn't a penalty for Darmian because it was outside the area absolutely yeah um, Dave sorry did you give an opinion on this not yet I think Burnley might just nick this one uh, but I can see Ryan's point that it could be a board draw at the same time. Uh, I, I, I sort of, I sort of like Burnley. Uh, they and it's seem very boring, Palace. Palace. Well, it depends if you've got Dejan Lovren in your defence or not. How boring they are. Uh, <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Dejan can make them a lot more entertaining than they should be. Um, what we saw last weekend. But with Benteke, you know, they're always going to play that route one football. And they're always going to have a chance. Uh, I, but I, I just like Burnley and what they're doing. Well, they've lost their last three, haven't they, Palace? Yeah. So they had that run of 10 points in 12 games. Now they've lost their last three. They're all over the shop, really, aren't they? I mean, you can't really... Uh, what did they do? Palace won this fixture two years ago. They won it 3-2 when, they, um, when Burnley were last in the Premier League. I mean, Sean Dyche is going to be there, so, you know, it's going to be great. It's all going to be all right, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all going to be entertaining in the end. If he kicks off on the touchline, who's going to win? Uh, Pardew's probably coat. just headbutting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pardew will just beat his coat like he normally does. <laughs> um, we've got a special guest, I think, haven't we? Not so special, but yeah, hello. Hello. <laughs> Dave, this is Ubifura Ross, owner of Man on the Post. Howdy, Dave. Very pleased to meet you. Also known as Rob. And you, sir. Also known as Rob, but which I call him. <laughs> just to be different. Uh, we're just talking about Crystal Palace versus Burnley. How do you think they're going to get on? I'm just hoping for a fight, yeah. That'd be good. Yeah? You're a Pardew fan, aren't you? I am, but not in a fight against Daesh. No. Daesh or Daesh? Daesh. Daesh. <laughs> misheard you Not there. me and Daesh. Oh, no, I, think, I was thinking more ISIS. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> They're sort of, they're, they're, when you said that, I thought that sounds like them. Um, okay, Manchester City versus Middlesbrough. Um, Manchester City won four of their last six against Middlesbrough. Although that does go back quite a long way. Yeah, I mean, I can't really see past Man City, really. It's a question of how many, really, isn't it? How many they win by? Do you think? I mean, they did okay last week. They had that goal, didn't they? Um, I haven't heard Jesse's thoughts on Gaston Ramirez's goal. Were they positive? Probably orgasmic. That's what I, I would think. say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm editing that later. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, City. It's just a matter of of how many. And I think coming off the back of that Barcelona result, that club's going to be buoyant. 
Uh, there's there's no way City are losing that. You think? That'd be typical City, though, wouldn't it? It Being would, Barcelona yeah. And the following weekend, <laughs> at least to Middlesbrough. But, but what, what you're saying is typical City, not under Guardiola. It's a, it's a different era, and I think you know corners are being turned, and and yeah, the points <laughs> have been dropped. But slowly but surely, I think over the course of this season, and I think that, that Barcelona result has exercised a ghost for the for the club. And and I think that coming off the back of that, I if it's a question for many, Sim- simply that. Okay, Ross. Uh, yeah, I can't disagree with anything that's just been said. There, the City are going to batter them, surely. Yeah, they've beaten all the teams that are around them in the table. Well, give us an opinion on West Ham Stoke. How do you reckon that one's going to go? This is this could be a little bit tighter, couldn't it? Where are West Ham at the minute? They're uh, oh, they're 17th. fourth. They're fourth bottom. Yeah, I didn't realise that. I thought it'd be sort of like tenth or something. <laughs> they're only two points behind Stoke though are firmly mid-table they are aren't they yeah so you know uh, Winston Reid is suspended though mm. well I think West Ham will win <laughs> Stoke I mean they look good on Monday night but they weren't really playing against much no Sam Byron <laughs> Colin would be dead devastated how do you reckon this one's going to go Ryan I need to call you Colin then um, I don't know West Ham have been is, is it at London Stadium whatever they're calling it these days it is at the <laughs> London Stadium where uh, West Ham haven't had the best of times and Stoke have won their last three haven't they well not not the London but the last three Premier League matches yeah I mean uh, West Ham at home have been so sort of disruptive I mean fans and all and it's <laughs> almost thinking I, I, I think Stoke are going to do well Stoke have been you know on the up recently after a bit of a shaky start, so West Ham need a confidence builder. I don't think it's going to come this weekend. Well, they had those two back-to-back wins, didn't they, Dave? And then they went and lost last week at Everton. Yeah, I, I, I feel this one's a draw. I go one-one-two-two. Yeah. Um, you know, West Ham are too good, I think, for the position they're they're occupying in the league at the moment, and it will turn around. There's no two ways about it. But I think that maybe what's happening off the pitch at the minute is maybe hindering. The, the progression on it, maybe, if that makes sense to you. Is Billich in trouble? No, I think Nancy uh, get enough rope. Yeah. I, I don't I yeah. don't think that West Ham could go out and find somebody better than, than, than Billich at this moment in time. I, I think they have to stick with him. I I have a great deal of respect for him. I really like him. You know, if you if you ever if you heard him during over the Euros on BBC, mm-hmm. his analysis of the game so it, it was it was a joy to listen to actually and amongst the Muppets around him. <laughs> he still robbed Lauren Bronca place in the World Cup final. <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> Stoker in quite a false position. Their last three games, they've beaten Hull, Sunderland, and Swansea, the bottom three teams. Well, you've True. Got to start somewhere. Well, yeah, they're playing the fourth bottom team next, so yeah. <laughs> you never know. They could just keep on going that way. Works the way out the this table. Is, this <laughs> is Shakiri versus Pyatt, though, isn't it? This would be a great game of match of the day. A hipsters delight. It is, isn't it? Do you guys feel that the, maybe the, the new stadium, the change of stadium, has has played any any part in, in what we're seeing at West Ham at the minute? A hundred percent. I think. I mean, they've said about the, what the atmosphere used to be like at Upton Park because it was so closed in. The fans would re, you know, the fans would really give the players a massive sort of boost. But now there's such a big disconnect from what I can see from the fans to the players. Because it's got the running track still, hasn't it? So I can imagine that the sound barrier is quite 
you won't be able to hear as much from the fans. West Ham seem a club very much disconnected from their fans anyway. Someone tweeted, um, I think it was a screenshot from their price list for seats this week, and it was something like £80 for a seat or something. Jeez. Exactly. It's more than Arsenal's single-game tickets. Yeah. I'm sure you could. You, they always have fans just rip them up and take them home for free. Why are they charging any pounds? <laughs> well, they gave them to the Chelsea fans last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, through the battle. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's, I think there are problems at West Ham between the club and the fans, aren't there? And it's obviously having an impact in their performances maybe if you see I, I mean I don't know what their form is like home and away maybe you get you obviously get a different type of fan that travels away you've got more of their hardcore support maybe you get a different kind of fan that goes away with them and they feel a bit more buoyed by that than they do playing at home well they're very yeah. really they're not very good this year <laughs> no Pyatt's not digging them out of any situations do you think they just massively overachieved last year well, they did, but they scored. He can only score so many wonder goals. You think all those free kicks he scored—the one against Palace where it dipped up and over the wall, the one against yeah. the Hay at Old Trafford—you can only do that so many times, can't you? Yeah. Apart from Cresmo, who can do it all the while. <laughs> oh yeah. That's Brandon Chelsea shirt. Yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> um, well, speaking of Chelsea, Chelsea go. West Ham—they went the Mark Hughes derby. He did, don't worry, Ryan. He did, don't worry. Yeah, no, I know. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chelsea have won their last four. Everton have got one win in their last five. That was last week against West Ham. Um, they've won 2 0, 4 0, 3 0, 2 0. So they're keeping clean sheets and they're scoring four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven goals in four games. So that's not bad, is it? Very good. Mm. I, I'm so I'm so happy watching Chelsea at the moment. It's it's been a re- it's been a long time coming. Yeah, that it's been disinteresting to watch. I've been begging whenever new managers come in. I've always sort of begged for them to change the system because the four three three or the four two three one or whatever we've been running for the past five years, it, it's clearly not worked, and everyone's clocked onto what we're doing. Um, and when Conte joined, everyone said, "Oh, he's, he's going to do a three five two. And when he didn't, it was almost like, oh, here we go again. We're going to stick with the same formation." And in fairness to him. He's looked at the players he's got. He's given opportunities to players that didn't get an opportunity beforehand, and they're proving they're worth in gold, really. Um, Chelsea are unbeaten in their last 21 home matches against Everton. This goes back to November 94. So Everton's run a 21 matches without winning this fixture. is the longest away win at another club in the Premier League. Only one team um, has a longer away win without a win in their league history. Ross, do you know who that is? Uh, no, I'm guessing Leeds though. By the way, you've aimed that question at me. Yeah, you're right. Leeds United. <laughs> <laughs> dirty, dirty Leeds. Thirty-six mat- away matches against somebody where they didn't win. I don't know who it is. They just got it in brackets. Probably Man United. Could be anybody. Beat them. I oh, know you did in the right. cup, didn't you? Does that count though? It's a league game, doesn't it? No, it could be. Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe, maybe it's Man United. I don't know. Mm. I'm probably gonna get. Loads of stick on this. They probably beat them in like the mid nineties. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading a book at the minute called Inside the Volcano. It's all about being a manager, and this guy goes around and interviews all different m- managers and talks to them about what it's like to be there. And I just got to the bit about Brian McDermott at Leeds. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, well, he sounds like he had a hell of a time. Did you know there was a previous manager before him at Leeds United? Um, had two trees at the training ground chopped down so he could sit in his office in his big leather chair and see the players train, so he didn't have to go outside. Is that Neil Warnock, lazy cunt? 
could well have been. <laughs> it doesn't say. It doesn't say. They're too gentlemanly to name who that manager was. Yeah, it was definitely a word. He, he <laughs> sent off two away trips as Leeds manager. Just sent his assistant in charge because he couldn't be asked to make the trip from your part of the country to Leeds. <laughs> well, why would you want to leave Cornwall? I've left it once in two years. Well, he, he says that he loves it so much, but yet still takes other jobs all around the country. <laughs> Anyone calls him for a job, yeah, I'll have it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't mind, you see, because any time he takes a club on, he always brings them down here for pre-season friendly. So I got to sit next to uh, Luciano Becchio a couple of years ago. Oh, don't tell Colin that. He'll be all over you. <laughs> really, he'll be licking my legs. He will. <laughs> Dave, who's going to win this game? Uh, do I really have to give a prediction to this one? <laughs> Everton versus Chelsea. No, I, I'm, I'm hoping it's Chelsea. I, as I say, much as I don't have very much love for Chelsea's football club, I do love Conte. I really do like Conte. I hate that I like Conte. Um, and I just think <laughs> I, I think that he's got them playing really well. Um, that You know, nobody's really even talking about them, considering how well they're going. And I wish people would start talking them up a wee bit more. It might put a bit no, of pressure. No, 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 no. Yeah, you see, Ryan, you, you don't want to hear that. <laughs> the um, only time know, ever... people talk about Chelsea is controversy. This is the first like time in ages where I can just sit back, as we talked about earlier, three o'clock on a Saturday, easy life. You're, you're throwing the stats out there, you know, and everybody's looking at Liverpool and how great they are going forward and they're free, free flowing football, scoring goals. But Chelsea are doing exactly the same thing and nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Please, please, somebody pay attention to this. There's, there's, there's no way Everton's beaten them. Chelsea have exactly the double. Chelsea have exactly double the number of points that they had after ten games last season. So they're on twenty-two points at the minute, which meant Ryan last season they had. <laughs> so it was twenty-two. Did you say? Yeah. Wait, eleven. <laughs> Jeez. Good lad. Yeah, old Jose was special <laughs> once. He's <laughs> more special than Ryan's maths. Well, I I'll tell you what, you, you put me on the spot like that. What do you want me to do? <laughs> uh, Sunday, early kickoff is Arsenal versus Spurs. This is the David Bentley wallops the ball in from 40 yards derby. Oh, <laughs> David Bentley, that's it. Oh, <laughs> he fell out of love of football, didn't he? He just didn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, Arsenal got doubts over Nacho Monreal, Santa Cozzola, Theo Walcott. Um so they've got a few doubts there. No team news about Tottenham as yet. Theo Walcott's having a pretty good season. I think he's been quite maligned in his career. But he's doing all right at the minute, isn't he? I think Sanchez beside him is making a difference. You think mm. so, do you? Mm. I do, really. Um, and Because it wasn't he always fought and argued with Wenger over, over what position. He always wanted to play a striker and, and he was always put out wide. And, and he's got what he wanted now and he is just sort of delivering with it. Uh, but I'm really I'm, I don't know what's going to happen I really hope it's a draw I really really hope it's a draw <laughs> <laughs> well Arsenal are winless in their last four North London derbies um, and Mauricio Pochettino is undefeated in the North London derby as Spurs yeah. manager let's keep it that way yeah <laughs> more draws please <laughs> <laughs> um, I was trying to look at their, their um, well they haven't lost any of their last five they're both doing all right. Spurs have drawn their last three. Arsenal going to win. There's not there's not a player playing better in the Premier League than Mesut Ozil at the minute. Uh, we were trying. We were discussing his goals earlier. Was his goal the best of the week? Do you think? He's he's phenomenal. Yeah, he's an incredible footballer. Yeah. Wait, sorry, you saying that there's no one better playing in the league right now than Ozil? Yep. In Come on, Ryan. Continue in the Premier League. 
Coutinho. I don't watch Liverpool play, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I would go. I would go even further than Firmino. Firmino, yeah. yeah but he's got a man, man bun instantly ruled out. <laughs> Oh, so the best play- so it's not the best player, it's the best it's, haircut. It's the best player that Ro- best player that Ross likes. And we have to go on appearances first. <laughs> well, have a look at Ro- can you see Ross's Skype picture, Dave? My I do, picture? yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's uh, he's, he looks like something out of Game of Thrones or something. So, you know. That's the play <laughs> Aaron Gunnison, that's the Ross's favourite player. He is cracking mid. <laughs> um <laughs> Sunday then also got Hull versus Southampton. Um, Hull are just sank like that stone, haven't they? They got that seven points at the start of the season. They give Mike Phelan a permanent manager's job, and it's almost as if he's wanting to be sacked and getting a great big payoff. <laughs> so it's honest, I'm not, I, wouldn't well. be, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. What do you think? <laughs> he's probably thought, I've got the job now. Oh, should, we, should we work hard, boss? Like. Keep it going. Nah, don't bother. Nah, don't worry. Just leave it as it is. If they suck it, they've got to pay me three years. Yeah, they've got to pay me. They've got to pay me now. <laughs> uh, Hull have lost all their four previous Premier League games with Southampton. It doesn't bode well, does it? They're going to make no, it five. They're going to win. No. no. Um, next fixture. Saints are being into right now as well. Oh, are they? Yeah, two winning. Because they, they will go down. Everyone's favourite friend, Mario Cardi, scored earlier on, didn't he? He did. <laughs> uh, were the ultras there cheering him on when he scored? <laughs> Probably not cheering him. He's um, pulled that book, hasn't he? <laughs> like Adam Partridge. Yeah, he's had to pulp it and uh, take out the offending extracts and republish it. And I think he's paid for it all. Is he called Bouncing Back? He's <laughs> in the box, really, is he? No, really. No, I think he's driving to Dundee with um, <laughs> flakes, Toblerone and flakes. <laughs> um, Swansea versus Manchester United. This is the Ashley Williams could have killed Robin Van Persie derby. <laughs> could, oh, yeah, he could have killed him, yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel quite sorry for Bob. I felt, well, I felt sorry for Francesco Guidolin, but I feel quite sorry for Bob Bradley. I think he's up against it from the start. I mean, we've touched on this. Mm-hmm. I touched on this a couple of weeks ago with Alex and Mark and snobby pundits not liking this American. Yeah. I think he's been a little bit unlucky in some of his fixtures as well. Um, but are they going to come good in this one? Home to Manchester United. They've lost today, lost last week, or they drew last week, lost before that. It's not looking good for Manchester United either, is it? I think Jose's in a very, very bad position. And I'd, I'd, I don't think Man United would ever sack him because it would it would prove too much of a point. But it's they've just been all over the place this season. Uh, you think the cycle of Mourinho has kind of come to an end? Yes, he, he, he's let whatever's happened in the past. He's let it get to his. I mean, he's already egotistical anyway. But like <laughs> to, to win this title again at Chelsea to, to show that what he was doing was the correct method. And then it all falling apart. And it was a, when he left Chelsea and then went to Manchester United. A lot of people were saying he was always holding out for that United job. Mm. And everyone said he was he was almost he was he was always going to be United manager. He was going to be the the long term replacement to Ferguson. And he's just not got it right. I, I don't know what he's trying to do. Whether he's playing the wrong people, whether they made the wrong signings. I mean, Mkhitaryan is nowhere to be seen. Apart, he came on as a sub. Tonight, for the first time, he's nowhere to be seen. It's bizarre, that one. 
I don't understand yeah. with that one because somebody United has shelled out thirty million pounds from. I don't understand or or know whether someone there is saying we paid for this guy Jose. We paid a lot of money from you. Have to play him. Wasn't he player um, of the season in the Bundesliga last year? Yeah. 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 I don't get. I think Mourinho's trying to. He's almost trying to prove a point. He's like, I make the sign. I pick the people I want to sign. Because he didn't get that. He, he certainly got people that he didn't want to play at Chelsea. That's for sure. I did and... see a tweet earlier. <laughs> I did see a tweet earlier on to say that McTaren has fallen by behind Kagawa in the pecking order at United. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, Bastian Schweinsteiger's coming back. <laughs> Fear that, not. That, I think that's the biggest sort of admission that he's made mistakes. Is that he, he's. I mean, Schweinsteiger should never have been left out in the car to begin with. To, it's, to have mistreated him by his stature. And to bring him back now. And they've needed someone in that midfield as well. It's not even like they've had the players to, to really boss that midfield. They've hardly played Schneider. Incredibly talented no, football. Exactly. The whole United situation is just a mess. And I think if Swansea are going to get a result to, to turn things around for Bob Bradley, this could be it. I it's think... funny, I heard, a, I heard a great quote um, that Mourinho has skipped season one and two with United and gone straight <laughs> to season three. <laughs> I mean, the thing, well, that, the thing with Mourinho, he's had unbridled success, hasn't he? Uh, pretty much wherever he went. He, you know, he, was, he did it at Porto, did it at Chelsea when he first went there, into Milan. It went a little bit wobbly at Real Madrid. Obviously, Chelsea came back a little bit and it's gone wobbly now. He doesn't know how to resolve something when it goes wrong because he had it so good for so long when it starts going wrong he doesn't know what to do with Fergie for example he had that five years when he first joined United where it all went wrong and he learned from his mistakes and can build from there it's the other way around for Jose is it thing like he no disrespect to Ryan and Chelsea that they're not Chelsea aren't at the level that Chelsea and Porto are not a level that Real and Man United are they're their, their clubs that have an ego themselves and maybe it's just slightly larger than Jose's and he can't overcome that. Well, Chelsea Football Club is only 13 years old, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. We only heard it since Marilyn came in. I'm married, I married into a Chelsea family. I couldn't get away with saying that. <laughs> a long histor- histor- historical club. But... I don't even think that's the, that's the thing. I think Jose, he, he enters a club, he knows what he wants to do and he sets out his stool very, very quickly. Um, so you know he did the Schweinsteiger thing. He's almost said, "No, I'm not playing Mkhitaryan." The the big surprise out of the whole United thing is the one matter getting like a captaincy and actually getting played. Yes. No one saw that coming. But then they sub- kind of contradictory to everything he, he's done in the past. He subbed it, didn't he? Uh, he made him yeah. captain. He was he was having a man of match performance against Burnley, and they and he brought him off. Can't even get him too big for his boots. Well, exactly, and he. As soon as Mourinho comes in, he almost falls out with somebody, and then he, he can never bring that back. Mm. As soon as he falls out with someone, that's it. So at Madrid, it was Cassias, if I remember rightly, he fell out with him. Um, you know, Chelsea probably has it in a majority of the squad at the end of it. <laughs> United, he's got Schweinsteiger and, and probably Mkhitaryan as well. And it's almost like he, he doesn't want the players to like him. He's almost, he very much disconnects himself. The other thing with him is as well, he He's sitting in a hotel room. He says he hates living in Manchester. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah, Imagine living in a five-star hotel. It must be a, it must be a strain, really, on his life. The Barcelona team stayed in that hotel, didn't they, this week as well? Yeah. I mean, for him to come out and say that he does not like living in the city where he manages the team, <laughs> I think there's an incredible lot. So, I mean, back to the game, I think this is probably the Swans' best opportunity to, to do something against United. 
and it could really put United back in a bit of a sort of a tumble back down. Okay, what do you two guys think? Yeah, I'm definitely not writing off Swansea in this. They've looked decent in the games that Bradley's been in charge for. They've got more about them, I think, than they did before. And this Man United team is vulnerable in areas. So, high score and draw, I think, possibly. 2-2, 3-3, maybe. Okay. Dave? I very much hope Swansea win. (laughs) Um, But more than likely, uh, you know, I would say the more realistic... Uh, downgrade on a United win is, is the draw, which I'd still be happy with. Any, anywhere the trip up is, is a joy to me. Okay. Uh, and finally, last fixture of the weekend is the Jeff Horsfield derby. Leicester versus West Brom. What, <laughs> what a, a player. Sorry. What a man. What a player. And he kicked Cam- Awful stint at Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> well, he scared cancer off as well, didn't he? <laughs> it took one look at him and thought, mm, I don't fancy him. Mm. No, <laughs> no I'm not winning this fight. No. Um, West Brom have lost their last two City got four points out their last possible six Um, admittedly West Brom played Liverpool and Man City (laughs) so you can't really I suppose you can't really this sounds like a Pulis special this does really well this was 2-2 this were they played in March Um, do you remember where they played in March and Leicester went on that great big long run where they hadn't conceded any goals for a long time they lost that game against Arsenal uh, and then they went on the run from there and I think the only game which they conceded some goals was this one against West Brom at home West Brom are an attacking force to be reckoned with you know they're great. No, Tony Pulis is going to say it's going to be very defensive, and they'll score on the counter or from a set piece, and that'll be the end of the game. It'll be one 0 You don't think this is going to be Rondon versus Hoof? Oh, God, <laughs> that's a battle for match of the day. <laughs> this Early is last on match of the day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, your mate James McLean going to play in this one? You'll have to listen to a oh, bit of James oh. McLean when he's in this later on, Ross. <laughs> Ryan had some bad things to say about him. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I was all, I was all over it. You know? Dave was trying to sort of defend him. I have different, I have different viewpoints to Ryan. I think he's well within his rights to do what he wants. Personally, he's a good footballer. This is going to be a really ugly game, though. I think. Yeah. Do you think you definitely should have been around for earlier, Ross? Yeah, you should have been around earlier. <laughs> I don't think Dave took a breath for ten minutes. <laughs> No, it's, it just eats me alive, just the hypocrisy of it all. But moving on, let's talk about football. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, I think they've got goals in them, though, haven't they? I mean, it's just whether they can get past a four-man back four of like Johnny Evans and Claudio Jacob and people like that. Not yet. This Johnny hand. Evans. Johnny Evans is a good defender. Oh, no, I'm not, de- I'm not denying his talent. I'm denying the fact that you know he'll stand there and... Get he'll in the be, way. He'll, yeah, he'll get in the way of uh, Okazaki and he Vardy. What, like so, that. in other words, he's doing what a, def- a good defender does. He gets yeah. in the way. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not doing him down. No, no, I'm not doing him down. I'm saying that they will. West Brom will come to do what they do, which is stand in the way and defend. Uh, and Leicester will struggle to get past them, is what I'm trying very terribly to say. <laughs> Jamie Vardy's not scored very many this season either. Is I think he's only scored three this season. Leicester are going to have a reserve keeper as well. Schmeichel's got a broken hand. He didn't, and he carried on playing with his broken hand and made that last-minute save as well. Yeah, he probably made the break even worse as well. Why not, Casper? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My wife well, was finally relieved she's not going to go to the U-Tree prison when she found out he was actually 30. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, his best pundit ever, Michael Owen, is that yeah. to say, I'm Vardy, 
saying that Vardy doesn't strike me as a natural finisher. Oh, burn. But considering the goals he scored last season, I, I beg to differ, Michael. But that's Michael over for you. He's not the best pundit slash commentator. I think, I think old Michael could be struck by lightning and probably not notice any effect. I think <laughs> yeah. that's, that's how far Mikey Owen's gone, you know. Hey, Dave, if I wanted to listen to a podcast about some terrible pundits, where could I go? Oh, go to Bodies in the Box. <laughs> uh, we, we actually had a complaint from Arlo White <laughs> in person. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he, he, he complained about my assessment of uh, American commentary. Well, I don't think we've had any celebrity listeners, have we? Uh, not that I know of, no. No, no one's contacted us. No, 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 I hope Chris Sutton doesn't <laughs> listen to this podcast. <laughs> he definitely doesn't after the last couple of weeks. No. James McLean might not be a fan either. <laughs> if he listens, I'm giving him your Twitter address. <laughs> Absolutely, no problem. I would I would love to have the debate with him. I really would. Well, look, that brings us to the end of this podcast. So if James McLean is listening, how does he get in touch with you, Dave, on Twitter? You can find me at DaveRN66. Okay, and give a little plug to World Football Index. Absolutely. Um, World Football Index, we cover basically all aspects of, of the game, tactics, coaching. Uh, we have the Liga pods, Serie A pods. We have a bit of madness and bodies in the box, which is just like uh, offbeat. Uh, we, we cover everything. We have a lot of new shows coming up as well. Uh, we're, we're actually coinc- uh, running consecutive with this one. We're running the Champions League pod as well, being recorded this, this evening. So we've got all areas covered with South American show, North America covered. We've got Libertadores coming again soon. Got all our bases covered. If, if you want a one-stop shop for football, worldfootballindex.com. Super. My personal favourite is the Serie A one. Yeah, oh, I, I, Mr. Frank is 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 quite quite the host. I, I enjoy listening to Frank every week talk us through Serie A. Yeah, I get host. Well, there's two. I mean, I said last time you're on is um, that one I quite like, and uh, now I know she's a school teacher. I can see it on the pod. Is Jesse trying to keep everybody else in line? Well, I'll say Jesse is just Jesse is unique, and that's all I'm saying. And and I, I wouldn't want to change her in any way. And, and nobody's ever getting her. She's ours. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, if they want to follow you on Twitter, um, how do they do that? My Twitter handle is at the Ryan Goodman. Uh, the Ryan Goodman. Uh, Ross, right. if they want to follow you. Ross Bell, 1984. And you do a wrestling or an American football podcast. I can't remember what. Both of those ones. Both. Go on, what are they? Uh, Ring the Bell, which is a fairly regular wrestling one, which is basically on whenever wrestling's on. And NFL uh, is the first Seattle Seahawks fans. It's the UK Seahawks podcast. Um, find that at the Pedestrian Podcast on iTunes. Do you talk about Big Van Vader on your wrestling one? Big Van Vader. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that's not a name I've had in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still the nineties in Cornwall, Chris? <laughs> uh, I was watching still wearing flares and listening to Abba by the sounds. <laughs> <laughs> British Bulldog Lord Stephen Regal, are they still going? Lord Stephen Regal uh, still going. Lord Stephen Regal still going? Is he? Yes, the other one's very much dead. Is he? Yes. Oh, really? Well, proper dead. Proper dead, like dead, dead. Not storyline dead. No, <laughs> actual really? dead. Wow. When? About 10 years ago. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, Cornwall is very much behind the time. The news will get to you soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, um, at Man of the Post is the Twitter account for Man of the Post. Manofthepost.com is the website. Will there be a show on Sunday, Ross? Uh, e- yes. 
Yeah. Com- confident, yes. That's a confident, even if it's just you shouting into your microphone. Uh, it may not have me on it, but there should be one, yes. Okay, super duper. So that'll be out on uh, Monday or Tuesday. Um, you can download us from iTunes or you can uh, go to Acast and subscribe. Or you don't subscribe in Acast, do you? You do something else, don't you? You follow, I think. You follow. Uh, and they will automatically fall into your uh, iPod or iPhone or... You'll get a, a notification on your phone telling you there's a new episode. Okay. And it'll download for you automatically. Super. Uh, people in the real world with um, with iPhones can get theirs from iTunes. And again, subscribe and it comes automatically. If you want to rate and review us and leave a five-star review, you can do that. Um, and we may find a fridge magnet to send out to you. <laughs> Possibly. You Possibly. never know. Maybe well, I've got about ten in my fridge. I can send one of mine. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you ever so much, chaps. Cheers. Cheers, Chris. Okay. Always a pleasure, Chris. Good man. Uh, thank you ever so much for listening, folks. And always remember to keep your man on the post.